This is Geek Gab with your host, John and me, Daddy Poor Pig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, January 20th, 2018. That's right, folks. We are fully 18 years into the future. Because I'll be perfectly honest. When I was a young, young kid, um, the year 2000 seemed so far off that that was like the marker of the future. We had futuristic movies like 2001 and even Space 1999. And those were the far off exotic future. So now we're living in the future. And, and how does it seem to you? It is the it is not the cyberpunk dystopia I wanted, but it is a cyberpunk dystopia that we have. Yeah, the, the only thing really preventing it from being a full-on cyberpunk dystopia is that we don't actually have, like, good cyberware. It's a shame. It's a real shame. I, I'm waiting for my direct neural interface to the net. Or to an automobile. I remember that from the original cyberpunk game, the black box cyberpunk RPG. Uh, or also the hardwired book. Uh, but, yeah, that that sounds like fun. We're going to get self-driving cars. It's all going to be AI instead, instead of direct mental control. And if there's one thing we've learned from science fiction, it's uh, how utterly safe it is to give robots power over life and death. Nothing bad ever happens. <laughs> all right, folks, we want to introduce our... Introduce our guest today. We have Benjamin Chia here, live from Singapore, all the way on the other side of the Pacific Ocean. Um, and he has joined us today to talk about Steemit, the brand new blockchain-based blogging platform, and also how he led the pulp revolution into this brand new promised land, just, just almost like a modern-day Moses. Ben, how you doing? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me Welcome here. Welcome to the too. show. What, um, so when I say blockchain-based blogging platform, what the heck, for, for those, of the, those of us in the audience here, what, what does that mean? Okay. Think of blockchain as a giant distributed ledger spread across all computers on the network. So when there's an entry on the blockchain, it will be the information we transmit to all the computers, which will leave a record. So what happens is that this blockchain then spreads information across the network, and the information is permanently recorded. So there's a timestamp, there is an entry, and what happens is that every single entry is permanently recorded somewhere, and is visible to everyone on the network. So with the blogging, that means that every time someone posts a blog post on the blockchain, the entry is visible on, on the chain. You get to see the edits. You get to see who wrote it. You get to see who commented on it and all the upvotes as well. So if I understand what you're saying correctly, it's basically like a blogging platform, only it uses blockchain to store data and state instead of, say, for example, a database uh, on a, a back-end server? Essentially, yes. But it tries to be a mix of Reddit and Medium as well. 
in the form of uh, votes and comments. Now I'm familiar with Reddit because I, I think that's a, that's a wretched hive where it may be possible to actually contract a disease while browsing it. <laughs> but uh, I'm not too familiar with Medium. What's that? Well, Medium is like a platform for long form blogging. Uh, unlike other platforms, Medium is optimized for long essays with pictures with with the comments you can leave i can highlight text and so on okay so m like more like a more traditional blog site like wordpress or, or something yeah yeah so uh, the blockchain technology, you have a, a large running record that's distributed among all computers that is copied among all computers who are part of the, the network or who are running the software. And every single entry is permanent in the record. Why uh, would you use that as the basis for a blogging platform? What, what strengths or what opportunities does that bring? Okay, first of all, Traditional blogs rely on servers and hosts. But if there's a DDoS attack or something happens to the host, well, you're out of luck. Secondly, this blockchain is impervious to outside censorship. So if someone tells you to take down your post, well, you can't do it. Nobody can. And you know, in a country where censorship is the norm, so it's something I find beneficial. So every single post is permanent and it's distributed across the network. So if any one computer goes down, the uh, blogs of everyone are still up and um, no one can remove any posts that, uh, at all from the record. And so you can't, uh, someone can't come along and censor, censor your, um, censor what you've written. That's right. Or, or to be more accurate, uh, censorship would require someone to actually make a change. So th it's it's not like they can make your changes disappear, but if someone wanted to edit or, or, or modify your work, that would be on that would be on the blockchain and distributed so that it would be visible. You you can't you can't it has to be transparent in other words. It depends on how the blockchain is set up. But for Steam it, an outsider can't make any changes to the post. Only the user can. That's pretty cool. I hadn't considered that. We're we're pretty lucky uh, in in the U.S. Only uh, you know only conservatives get censored on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. It's, we, we don't have we don't have the same sort of top down governmental censorship that exists in other parts of the world. And they don't matter. Nobody cares about them. They're not like a significant percentage of the population in, in or anything. So. Um, <laughs> so is that something that you, that you have to deal with uh, writing from Singapore, uh, local governmental controls? Let's put it this way. There is an entire government agency whose sole function is censorship. They censor the media, the movies, television, the internet even. So if you write a blog post that they don't like, they send you a very polite email. If you don't respond, they drag you to the courts. And there was this author who wrote a book, had it published, and a couple of days later, 
the agency, the censorship officers took the books off the shelf. Just like that. Wow. Yeah. So definitely so, in parts of the world like, uh, let's say, Iran or China, Singapore, uh, or other places where they have a heavy government censorship, something like Steemit is very, very useful for people who want to post stuff that the government agencies might not approve of. That's right. Okay, so Steemit, uh, blockchain technology first became really publicized through cryptocurrency, um, which, as I understand it, had a took a big hit this last week because of certain actions taken by the Korean government. The value of these cryptocurrencies dropped, and so when you try to convert them into real-world money, you were getting a lot less for your dollar. Uh, things like Bitcoin or um, Ethereum or Doggy Coin, um, which was started as a joke but has gained in value. Steemit is uh, has its own cryptocurrency um, built into the platform itself. How does that work? Okay, Steemit has three kinds of tokens. Yes, Steam, Steam-based dollar, and Steam Power. Steam represents the most liquid asset. You can really exchange it for any other asset out there. However, it's also the most volatile. So very much you don't want to hold on to Steam for a long time. The Steam-based dollar is supposed to be pegged to the US dollar. It is supposed to be the medium-term hold asset. I say supposed because recently the, the value is increasing, fluctuating so much that it doesn't come anywhere near the US dollar anymore. Steam power represents your long-term investment in the system. It's actually a valuation amount of vests you have in the system, which is a measure of how you are in the blockchain. And this is your very long-term hold. So the more steam power you have, the more visible you are on the platform. And while you can't exchange your steam power for steam, you can have to wait for a long time. So when you power down the steam, you only get a certain amount of steam every week. And it takes about two years or so to, to shut it all. So what happens is when you write a post on Steam it, you get you see people will start to vote on your post, and after seven days you get payouts based on that votes. When you see the payouts, you receive in Steam-based dollars and in SP, depending on the upvotes and the current cryptocurrency value. In addition, you'll also earn Steam power by commenting on a post, by upvoting it or by re-steaming a post. So this is the one thing I don't understand about Steam. Um, somebody posts a blog post, or, or in this case, we're talking about the Pulp Revolution here, uh, who are a bunch of authors posting stories, serialized stories in five or six parts on the platform. Every time a user clicks like on a post, they gain some value in cryptocurrency, which can then theoretically be uh, using a cryptocurrency wallet, can be traded in for uh, Bitcoin or whatever, and then converted into US dollars. And so you can actually get real money value for the posts you make on Steam. Yes. Uh, am I correct on that? Well, upvote is that like, but yes, essentially. Okay, upvotes, okay. Um, what I don't understand is uh, where 
the value of the cryptocurrency comes from. Um, when, for example, Bitcoin was first launched, its value lay in the fact that people were willing to accept it for tangible goods and services. And there was a scarcity built into the platform because it took computing time and electricity to quote unquote mine Bitcoins. Plus there is built into the system an absolute uh, hard limit on the number of Bitcoins. So once you have reached that limit, there will never be any new Bitcoins ever. So there is uh, a scarcity built into the system in two ways. One, it takes work to acquire the Bitcoins. And two, uh, there's a hard cap on the number of total Bitcoins ever. That is, well, we, we could talk about Bitcoins and, and whether or not that's a solid or a shaky foundation for a currency. But my question is, if you get money for posting, uh, for upvotes on your posts, where does that money come from? Is there anybody putting in money into the system or uh, how does that work? Okay, this is gonna be a very technical answer. So first of all, we did talk about how the system creates value for the entire network. The idea behind Steemit is that the founders believe that users of social media have a lot of monetized content that they otherwise give away for free. So all the posts you see on Facebook, Medium, other blogs and whatnot, they think it can be monetized and they want to monetize it using the blockchain system. So the value comes what people think of these posts. To actually create value, people rely on these upvotes and the signal to say, we think this post is important and they flag posts which they think are that plagiarize other people or otherwise find a copyright loss. The system creates value through well mining, in this case through witnesses, what they call witnesses. These are super users who basically verify all the transactions. They ensure that the entire network is up and running 24-7 and make their money off of it as well. So the blockchain, the Steemit platform rewards people who are investing their own computing resources into ensuring that the network of computers is always available. And so they get Steam, uh, Steam dollars or Steam from it, and then they can convert that if they choose later into... Um, some other currency that might be more liquid in their locale. Yes. Regular users can also make money through, whether well, say, upvoting, posting, and so on. So, um, fundamentally speaking, the as far as extracting money from the system, the reason why you you're able to do that is because other people are willing to give you Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies for your steam dollars. And then you can, you can uh, convert those into, uh, you know, actual American dollars or, or some other currency. I mean, euros, uh, British pound, German mark, whatever, wherever you are. That's right. 
So um, the primary benefit for people who are authors in writing on Steam is that they can get paid basically tips. Someone tips you. Um, and the people doing the tipping, the people doing the upvotes, they are not charged any money for doing so. Well, they're not charged any money, but it does decrease the voting power for a bit. We, we had some severe static. Can you say that last sentence again? Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. People uncharged money to upvote on the polls. However, the voting power is based on the steam power they have. And every time they upvote someone, the voting power is decreased by a bit. So if if you just go wild and upvote 500 people, your uh, your steam amount drops quite a lot. Your voting power drop, but now your steam assets. Okay. Um, so for, I heard John taking a breath. Do you have a question? Yeah, that well, that was interesting. That reminds me of similar systems in YouTube and Twitch TV where they have uh, subscription services uh, set up or, or many, many of them use PayPal as sort of a tip jar. Um, and a lot of those systems require a, a buy-in first. Uh, I'm not, I, I get the, I get that upvoting reduces your voting power, but it, is there an initial buy-in required for that sort of system? You need steam power before you can make, before you can give that to others. So new users usually have some delegated steam power whenever that system gets itself started. But that only lasts a few days, but a week, I think. So your buy-in is in effect that you have to start posting, get people to notice your posts. Yes. Um, so what what is it? Uh, and, and obviously, I can see the benefits to you in Singapore because you're facing potential heavy government censorship. So you start uh, getting involved in Steam because that enables you to have your stuff stay up on the internet, even if the government decides they don't like it. Um, what I find interesting is that recently, in the last month, month and a half or so, is that quite a large number of other people, well, relatively speaking, several other people from the Pulp Revolution have started posting on Steam, obviously, and have continued posting on Steam. So obviously they're seeing some value from the platform. What is it that, um, what is the value you think the platform is providing to them that keeps them posting? Mm. Okay, firstly, it allows them to reach a much wider audience and get paid, and get paid for it. And secondly, because they're paid for it, they have an incentive to keep posting and keep writing more stories and get better. And thirdly, since they own the rights of the content, potentially means that they can get paid twice. First, they're posting a Steam it, then they're compiling the stories and selling on Amazon or elsewhere. So that's a great and financial incentive get involved. And this is a uh, this is a little bit off topic of what we're discussing but because of the blockchain the way blockchain technology works you can't fabricate entries. 
And so by posting something on Steam, you have an inalterable um, record of when it was posted and what IP address it was posted from, which serves as conclusive proof that you are the author of some piece of material, uh, or at least that you posted that piece of material to Steam on this specific date from this IP, should there later be any questions about um, the provenance of something uh, that you are publishing. That's right. And there's also a bar on Steam there, which goes around hunting for copyright infringements as well. So that's a good question. Somebody asked this, uh, uh, Frank Reasoning asked this in the chat. Um, what prevents illegal content from being posted permanently to the platform? Oh, it looks like we're... It looks yeah, like the connection to Singapore is getting a little bit rough. <laughs> yeah, you, you blew up on that one. Try again. Sorry, Ben. Oh, dear. Look, well, it, let me it, it, Ben definitely sounds like we're in that cyberpunk future, doesn't he? <laughs> let, me, let, let me ask you something. Um, John, as a... Uh, while we see if that resolves... Uh, as a programmer, um, what do you think about a platform that has limited or no edits, uh, or at least the habit among users has been to not edit because it's uh, it's so difficult to, that is cryptographically signed every single post? Uh, you mean like what, what, what I think of the, the implications or... or what what what's what about it specifically that you're wondering? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, I'd have to think about that. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't. Um, I haven't spent much time thinking or researching uh, blockchain technology so far. Uh, much to my shame, because chances are I probably should have got in on that Bitcoin stuff. But it seems it's it's interesting to me because uh, security is necessary today. We've got so many systems that are relying on other people's computers. Uh, we know where I work, cloud computing is big, serious business. There's massive investment in cloud computing and it's, it's gonna continue to be that way, at least for the, for the near term. And uh, I also work at a place that, that has had to deal with privacy issues and censorship issues and, and pressure from all sorts of uh, governments from around the world uh, to control content instead of just being a platform where people provide the content. You know, we're under pressure to control that content. Anything that gives that, that power and security to the uh, user, the creator of that content, uh, it's going to be better for the consumers, and and now is it is it actually foolproof? I honestly haven't studied the cryptography. I am uh, I am extremely skeptical of any claims of absolute security. Uh, that said, I don't I, I don't understand blockchain. Uh, that I don't understand the technical details well enough to comment any further than that. And I'm, I, I think I'm going to reveal part. <laughs> I think I'm going to reveal part of my ignorance because I'm sure I'm going to get part of this wrong. 
but um, you have a distributed record of all the transactions on the network. And each transaction is signed with a unique um, cryptographic signature, so uh, uh, alphanumeric code that serves as validation that that transaction took place. And because it's based on a hash, um, man, I'm trying to break this down for the audience. It, it's based on a unique code that could only be generated by those two specific individuals having this specific transaction of this specific amount at this specific time. And so you take all of that information, you use that to generate a hash, and that's what signs the transaction um, is that you can look at the details of the transaction, run it through the hashing function, and it will you know, validate as being uh, valid. Authentic, you can, yeah, authentic. So that's how the, now I don't know if that has any weaknesses. I mean, uh, an algorithmic security system is only as secure as the algorithms that it uses. And we just yeah, see. But, but you're right. But I think the key there and, and your understanding is, is that's about as well as I understand it as well. But the key thing is that it's not um, the security isn't in necessarily um, the cryptography, but that the idea that the the result of the the, the key that uniqueness uh, only comes from that transaction. In other in other words, the the transaction itself is unique and. And we've got this identity that confirms that it's unique, and that's the security. That's the uh, uh, where the transaction itself is permanent and immutable. Well, yeah, and, and the security is also tied to past transactions, and so you can't insert a false entry into the system because it would have affected every single transaction after that. All of their uh, cryptographic signatures would be different because it's linked in the prior transaction. And so you have a continual running record that you can't insert false entries into. Yeah. I, as far as I know, there's no, there's no weakness in that. Uh, nobody's exploited any. I'm actually really excited to see what happens with steam it because blockchain appears to be one of those things, those great technologies that's waiting for a great application because the as a currency it's weird right we, we're watching how how oddly the cryptocurrency markets have behaved but as a technology to enable this cool thing like steam it you know use it for a blogging platform uh, maybe there's lots of other applications that could benefit from that sort of um, you know permanent secure irreversible transaction uh, maybe paying maybe just paying for services I mean, yeah, as a currency, but anyway, it's uh, smarter people than me are going to have to come up with good stuff. It's missing a killer app right now. Yeah, I think I think based on what I heard from Ben today, I think Steemit is a great first, second step. Uh, what a cool idea. Mm -hmm. It is. So um, All right. oh, you're coming in more clearly. What uh, that was great vamping there, if I could say so myself. Um, what uh, do I have to explain vamping now too for that comment to make sense? 
Yeah, haven't had that before. Yeah. Oh. Man. <laughs> um, vamping is what happens on a stage show when someone goes out to introduce the act, but the act isn't ready to come on yet. So as the MC, you have to stand there on stage and come up with material that will entertain the audience while they're waiting for the main act to, to come back from their break or to start. That's what vamping is. So uh, well, I, think it's right there. I think this is the most educational show we've done yet. Well, you know congratulations. What, not, not only have I learned something, but I am now encouraged to finally go out and learn more about something. Um, so, so let's go back to the question we were asking before we had to vamp for a bit there. What, um, what prevents illegal content from being posted permanently to Steam it? How can you remove that? Okay, how do you define illegal content? You know what, the person who asked the question in the chat didn't, but let's let's say just for the sake of argument, um, some copyright, uh, work that uh, violates copyright or work that is um, violates the law in um, one or more applicable jurisdictions. There are a number of bots and services on Steam it the hunt specifically for copyright violations. So these bots go around schemates and they hunt for posts that seem too similar to other content published elsewhere. If there is a potential copyright violation, they'll flag the post and they'll require the, the user to justify it and, either, and say whether the, the post is there or not. Now, there is no way to get someone to remove a post unless they do it themselves. What can be done is that if the, the bot finds that a post violated copyright law, for example, then the, the bot will downvote that post. Then everybody else that follows the bot will downvote the post, that post as well. So what happens is that post is flagged to oblivion, so no one can read anymore. You can't read it, you can't find it, but you can go through a lot of steps to find the post again. So they make the post so obscure that it is in effect removed, even if it's not technically removed. Yeah. Well, that's the first time you mentioned downvotes. Is that does that also cost your your upvote power or what have you to do that? Yes. Okay. Technically, it's called flagging, but people but users call it downvotes. So yes. But it's, it's also and it's also tied to your power, so it can't be abused to. Oh, I don't know, hide posts of someone with whom you disagree with on politics or something. It has been done before. Users have done both the posts, but this is because they use your politics. However, there are users out there who will upvote you back up if you can prove the case that you are unfairly targeted. So the system has built in checks and balances, organic checks and balances. So a lot of what is what passes for that that like let's say for example on some other platform there's a um, an enforcement group uh, that on Twitter or AOL or Prodigy or CompuServe or MSN there's a specific group who deals with bad content and removes it on Steemit that function is handled by a network of voluntary users a voluntary network of users. And bots, yes. And bots, okay. Um, so if you were, 
if you were to make a sale, like you were to go to someone in the Pulp Revolution or some other author, no matter who you are or what you publish, and make a pitch for them as to why they would publish on Steema, what would you tell them? Steema is a perfect place for for pop sound stories. You can post serials there. You can post short stories there. You can post long-form novels. You're going to write a very long serial. And there are users there who want who will reward competent writers. And there's a great financial incentive for you to do so. So it's a great way to distribute content. It's a great way to publish content that can be seen by people, uh, not just Steam users. Anyone can see your posts. And uh, you also can get paid a little bit for it, or a lot of it for it. Yeah. All right. Um, we are... I, I did have one last question before we go. Um, it sounds like a great platform or anything, but is there anything good on Steam? What do you recommend? I mean, besides your own stuff, of course. Well, I definitely recommend the content by the Pop Revolution guys. And you just—I've been, been meaning to read this. Sorry to interrupt. I've been meaning to read this too. Uh, did you just finish up a noir story series there? Uh, what series? A, uh, a noir series. Film noir. Yeah. Yeah, I did. All right, I'm gonna—I'm gonna have to read that. That sounds good. Thanks. And um, for everybody who's listening to this later, or uh, who is in the chat right now. We are going to include a link to um, Ben's Steemit page so that you can go there and uh, check him out, see what uh, um, see what you know his stories are like, and uh, if you're interested in Steemit as a platform, join it and uh, and maybe upvote a few of his uh, stories. Is there uh, anything else you'd like to say before we take off? I think Steaming will be the future for serials and pop stories. And if you want to get aboard, do it now while it's still young. All right. Well, um, we are uh, past our half hour time limit, folks. So we are out of time for today. I want to thank uh, Ben for taking the time to come on the show and talk about Steemit and explain the technology behind it uh, a little bit more. I want to uh, thank everybody, of course, for uh, tuning into the live chat and asking questions and getting involved. And we also want to thank everyone uh, who is listening to the show later for downloading uh, and listening to this particular podcast. By the way, folks, if you want to uh, listen to the show. We are available on youtube.com slash geekgab. Uh, go ahead and subscribe and be sure to double secret subscribe so you'll get the announcements for when we, your hosts, go live on the platform. Typically, we're, uh, we do shows about, one, uh, about 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, but the time varies, for example, for tonight because of various Considerations. So, getting a uh, an immediate announcement as to when we're going live in your email inbox is always helpful. We are also available. In addition to YouTube, we're available on the iTunes Store. We are available on the Google Play Store, and we are available on SoundCloud.com. Just do a search for Geek Gap, and you will find us right there. Next week, we have scheduled, barring acts of God or other emergencies. 
Mick Cole and Jason on Spock, who are going to come on the show, talk about their new series, Galaxy's Edge, and talk about their groundbreaking way of marketing Galaxy's Edge on Amazon. So that will be on the 27th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to tune in then. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. We are signing off for now. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.